Welcome to Unwanted Guests, the podcast that teaches you about insects and other pests that may join you in and around your home. It's brought to you by Texas A&M AgriLife Extension and the Texas A&M Department of Entomology. We're your hosts, Wizzy Brown, Robert Puckett, Molly Keck, and Janet Hurley. This episode of Unwanted Guests, we are going to talk about something that most people wouldn't think about when they're dealing with structural pests, but we are going to be talking about honeybees. The first question is pretty obvious to all of us, I think. Um, Are honeybees native to Texas and the United States? I'm just going to throw that one out there because this is something that the general public often is mistaken on. They are not. They are native to Africa, parts of Europe, in the Middle East, but not to the Americas, South, Central, or North America. And they were brought over, um, I think they think that the first bees that were brought over were in the 1600s, and then you keep them in a box, right? And so these people in the 1600s were keeping them in a box, and they spread from those boxes and kind of became naturalized. So I guess you could argue, well, this, if they've been in there that long, that many hundreds of years, then are they native now? And they've definitely adapted to environments and temperatures and things throughout the country. But no, they're not native to the United States. Do you know why they brought them over? Was it for honey or wax or pollination or all of the above? I'm going to guess it was probably for honey, you know, for sweet stuff. Because who doesn't want honey? Yeah. That's my favorite thing. When beekeepers bring me honey out of their hive, that's amazing because it's fresh and it's great. (laughs) It's not sugar water. It's real Exactly. The next thing, the honeybees are not native, but you mentioned that they do come from Africa. So my next question, what is the deal with Africanized bees? And then the second part of that is going to be, can you tell them apart from quote unquote, regular honeybees. So the story of Africanized bees is that in Brazil in the fifties, Brazil was not competing very well with the rest of the world for honey production because most European honeybees are used to temperate conditions. And Brazil, of course, is much more tropical. So the bees weren't doing very good. So they went on the search for a better bee for their area. And there was a ecologist, biologist, I I don't know that he was necessarily an entomologist by trade, but he was a scientist. And his name was Dr. Kerr, Warwick Kerr. And he went to Africa and he took a number of queens. And I can't remember exactly how many that was from parts of Africa. He got detained. So the story is that I've heard in customs and only 35 or so made it to Brazil. And he put them in hives and it was a breeding project. He was trying to make a hybridized Africanized bee that would be better at honey production and better for their environment. He had them trapped inside of these hives so they couldn't get out. The queens couldn't. And he had a worker that went out and accidentally released 25 of them or 26 or something like that. And those got out. They bred with the bees that were kind of feral. Wait, he let out 25 of the 35 queens that were brought over. Yeah. Woo, I bet he got Accidentally. He just, he removed the cage and they flew off. Cause that's what's, that's one thing about Africanized bees is they, they're like tramps. They move around. So that there goes the story of how Africanized bees started to spread. And no, you cannot really tell them apart from other races or breeds of bees, types or subspecies of bees. They're honeybees still. So they produce 
a great amount of honey. They're very well adapted to, especially to our Texas environments. They're a very productive bee. A lot of beekeepers keep them and have them. We just call them hot bees so that it sounds better than saying Africanized bees. But yeah, they, I mean, they're, they are what all feral bees are likely in, in the state of Texas. We don't test for them any longer, do any genetic testing because it, you're going to come up with that Africanized gene no matter, no matter what. For Joe homeowner that may be listening, if he comes across bees that are in a, I don't know, hollow tree or something like that, they should make the assumption that those are Africanized bees. Yes. Yes. Okay. Fantastic. And what does being Africanized mean? If you are that Joe homeowner that comes across those bees, should you panic right then and there because you're walking by a tree that has bees in it? Or are there certain instances? Do they sting more? Does it hurt more? Do they kill more? Yada, yada, yada. The venom is the same. It's just that they're generally are, they're larger colonies. So there's more bees that could come out and sting you and they're just meaner. They just get agitated and irritated quicker. And so they're more likely and more prone to sting to find things that, that they think are a threat to their house. So if you think about any social insect, they're at their most aggressive and they're going to defend themselves when they think that their home is threatened. And so, I mean, these are wild animals. You never know what could make them think that it could be you walking too close. It could be your dog barking. It could be the AC unit turning on, but most likely it's you trying to trim that tree or mow the yard or whatever. And it could be that you've mowed the yard every single weekend for years. And you knew that that, that, that hive was there, but they just decided to be mean enough that day, or it's been really rainy and they have cabin fever and they're agitated anyway. So you just can't predict what their behavior is. People say, I don't want to kill the bees. Cause I hear that they're threatened Um, which isn't necessarily the case, but I mean, they're going to kill you if you don't get rid of them first. And so what life is more important to you? I think human life is always more important than an insect's life. So, you know, there's certain times of year, I think we're kind of in it now or soon to be where European honeybees are moving around, right? People see them in their neighborhoods as they're sort of bivouacking for a short period of time, um, looking for a, you know, new queens looking for a, a new place to build their hive. Is that the same with the Africanized bees or they, their, their flight phenology kind of the same? And Making swarms, leaving the nest. Yeah. So what's the difference between a hive and a swarm? And everyone gets that confused. They say, well, I, there's a swarm of bees in my tree. Well, a true swarm is where they've left their house and they're exposed and they're balled up and they're hanging from something like a, a wire or, you know, your, the grill of your car or something like that weird. Which is super cool to see. It is actually see one. They are really, I still want to see what a swarm flying that's, that's on my bucket list. Cause I've heard people say that, right? Like there's 30,000 bees flying and the Queens in there somewhere and they all just go. That would be awesome. I've never seen that either. That would be cool. I've driven through one, one time and you guys all know Dr. Ed Vargo, um, the endowed chair here at A&M and he, um, he's a cyclist and this is a big concern of cyclists in the spring. (laughs) <laughs> that wouldn't be fun. <laughs> Not my idea of a fun random encounter, but so to go back, the hive is the home. The hive is the home. It's whatever, wherever they're living. A hive is the home plus those that live inside of it. So that's the hive plus the colony. It's the structure and, and who's under that roof. 
So then they would be having in a hive, they would have the queen, the drones, the workers, the brood, which would be the egg larvae and pupae. And they would have the honeycomb that has the food stored in it and all of that stuff. So essentially, if you're messing with the hive, it's like essentially somebody coming to invade your house. So you would defend it as well. Exactly. But the swarm is going to be a portion of the population of a hive moving to a new location. Yeah. And it can be, um, they can totally abscond where it's the whole entire colony. And that usually happens when there's a high like parasite load or they're just unhappy with their house. But this time of year, they're building up like crazy. The queen is laying tons of eggs and they get too crowded in their old house. And so they have to upsize and the queen will leave. The old queen will leave. She'll instruct before she leaves her workers to start rearing out queens, um, make a new queen. So she leaves with about half the hive. They go hang out somewhere until they find a good place to live. And she's nice enough to leave a house for her daughter to start a new colony. So you, so it's a, it's like literally a split of the hive. They just split in half. And it's a good thing when you see lots of swarms in the spring, that's a really good sign that the bees are really healthy and they're growing very well. That is so cool. So you mentioned earlier that honeybees are not threatened because I get this all the time. So we all know that honeybees are beneficial. They're excellent pollinators. You know, they're trucked on the U.S. to pollinate various crops. But there are times when they really do need to be managed by either a beekeeper or a pest control operator. Could you tell us a little bit about one that it is okay to kill bees? They're not on some endangered species list or threatened. It, it is not illegal because I have gotten that. Has anybody else gotten that? Yeah. People that say, oh, it's illegal to kill bees. You can't do it. All the time. It's yeah. kind of like it's illegal to pick a blue bonnet. No, it's not. It's just <laughs> it's an old wives tale. <laughs> we just want to tell you to be careful. Right. So. When we're dealing with bees, there are instances, and you kind of alluded to this earlier, if there is a danger of someone being stung, but you know, what about when they are getting into a structure? So what, what do you do? Who do you call? If they are in a structure, um, this is one of the times that, you, you know, you're, you're going to have to take some measures to, to have them removed because as their colony enlarges over time, they can do damage, you know, to, to, to a structure, to a home, to building, commercial building. And so it's sort of up to the property owner how, how they want to go at that. Do you want to have the bees killed or do you want to have them removed? And I get a lot of calls about this in particular in the spring. And I um, send people over to the um, Texas Apiary Inspection Service website. On their website, they have a list, a county by county list of people who are qualified for dealing with bees and structures. A caveat, they're not actually qualified. They're just people who have said, I'll come and remove bees. So there's uh, a, okay. So, take, so I, I send people to that exact same website because it's the biggest list, but, but, uh, you know, at your own risk, they may not answer the phone. They may not know what they're doing. So, uh, you know, that's the caveat. With okay, them. good, good, good enough. The other thing that we do need to mention, this is not a free service. It's not because a lot of people are like, well, they're taking these bees and they're going to do, they're still charging you. They're, they still have equipment costs and all different sorts of stuff. And, you know, there can be problems. I mean, why we are recommending that you contact 
a beekeeper or a pest management professional to take care of this is because this can be a dangerous situation. Now, essentially, bees are capable of stinging as long as they're females. The male bees can't sting. But even if they can only sting you one time, that can still be problematic because there are so many bees in the colony. So we really want you to contact somebody who has experience doing this and has proper equipment to take care of the issue. And not everybody has a bee suit that they can stick on to go out and control things like this. So you really need to make sure that you are not attempting to do this on your own because it can lead to a dangerous situation. Yeah. And there oftentimes people want a beekeeper to come and take the bees. They feel better about that. Know that that beekeeper is going to probably kill that queen. So if like, you know, killing any of them is upsetting to you. He's going to put in a nicer, a good removal of the bees. They usually have to cut open your walls or the siding of your house or, you know, the soffits or whatever. And so they're going to do some damage to your home too. So many times using a pest management company is less damage to your home. So do some research there and ask some questions before they come out and just start sawing into the side of your house. Cause you may not want that to happen. Correct me if I'm wrong, Molly, but don't a lot of times if you've got like a mature colony of bees Let's imagine they're in like a wall void in a house. I've been told that because of the materials that, you know, if you remove those bees, if you just remove the bees by killing them or removing them live, you're leaving behind all of the residue of their activity. And that's attractive to bees in the future. Is yes. That, is that yeah, the case? It kind of yeah, leaves yeah. that pheromone. Uh-huh. But then even if the bees don't go back there, there's all that honey and comb and you get right. Hive beetles and wax moths and mice uh-huh. and a whole. So if you can't, oh. it is best if you can open it up and clean it out. It's yeah. just not yeah. always what the homeowner necessarily wants to happen. That's that's what I've been told before. That's good to know. So just for our audience sake, at the Dallas A&M Center, we have a remodeled dorm. And the first thing we did when we were doing that remodel for a training center was remove a feral hive out of a wall. I mean, that's one of our features because it wasn't the first time. I think it was the third hive that had come back in. And now that we've got plexiglass, at least if I see something coming in the wall, I can do something. But yeah. And FYI, listeners, if you find the bees in your um, water valve box, The time to actually remove that is probably about 1030 at night when it's dark. And you, and if you don't have your bee suit at home, you do wear your jeans, your long gloves, your, your hat, because I did have that happen. And it was right by where you turn on the water spigot. But I went out at 1030 at night, flipped over the water valve box. You could see the comb, but because I disturbed them and it was an easy thing for me to do. Yes, I was able to to remove that small little hive. But if it was in my fireplace, I would call an expert. I don't do ladders well. Yeah, I mean, I have the equip well, I have the bee suit, suh, and I have the gloves and I have everything, and I'm a beekeeper, and I would call somebody if they were in the walls of my house. I'm not messing with those bees because you don't know how mean they can be, and I don't like mean bees. If we're dealing with a beekeeper versus a pest management professional coming out, some beekeepers will tell you that they're going to relocate the bees 
So how does that differ from a traditional, you know, we're coming out, we're going to either dust or spray or whatever. Is it better for the bees? Are the bees going to be fine? I mean, like you said, they're going to probably kill the queen and put a nicer one in there. But one, why do they put an, a nicer queen in there? And two, ha- do you know how they normally remove them? Do they just take like a shop vac or something? I, I'm super curious as to how that works. I know a handful of beekeepers that do it all different ways. They do make modified shop vacs where the bees go in this bag or it's like the sucking mechanism is softer so they don't get all killed in there. But I think a lot of times they just go in and cut out comb and set it in a container and then take it back to their hives and somehow manipulate it so it's in frames. And they may or may not make it with the queen. From what I understand, if they can't remove absolutely everything, then they will actually spray that area also because they don't want to leave that queen behind in there. And then you're in the same situation in, you know, two months, it's built back up again. So some bees do die, but if you're removing the hive and relocating it, then they are, most are going to survive. If you use a pest management professional, they're probably, and there are some, I think that will do removal too, but they're going to kill the bees, um, kill them all. The other question that I normally get is if they have a, let's say we, we have a hive and I don't know, the wall void of a house and a beekeeper comes out and they remove them to relocate them. Can I then, when I cut open that wall, can I eat the honey? If you didn't use any pesticides, sure. Okay. But if he uses pesticide, this is why you're going to need to ask questions. If they use pesticides anywhere around that, you do not want to eat the honey, because that is then going to be contaminated. So you do need to be very careful about that. Generally, the calls that I get are normally, they're all over the place, but when it's dealing with structures, it would be typically, typically wall voids is probably the most common that I get. I mean, I would say that's pretty much across the board for everybody. I, I always get them like eaves or uh, under so- the soffit is when it's, the eaves are not exposed, right? Is that the right te- construction terminology? Yeah. But when they, when they go in that, it's it, for me, it's always outside of the house, but still like, I don't know how to even describe it, but they see them. So kind of like in that attic space that's sticking out kind of, I, yeah, I, kn- I know what you're talking about, but it's difficult. Have you ever had any in a chimney before? I've never had any calls on chimneys on bees, but Only I know that they get in there sometimes. I had a lady who had yellow jackets in her chimney. But Ooh, and they would come out every afternoon. Eaves, soffits, um, backyard eaves. grills. Yes, yeah. especially the <laughs> eggs. Now they mm-hmm. love them under the eggs. shed. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Close the vents on your eggs. Um, uh, I, even in um, trash cans that like people are like, I use this trash oh, yeah. can often. It might be their recycling bin, and they like just haven't taken it out in a couple weeks, and in two weeks they've already got this hive that started. No, that water, that water spigot was, I was out of town for one of my random trainings and had come home and was going to water the plants out front and looked down and went, yeah, I'm going to have to come back out and revisit this. <laughs> I mean, the moral of the story is any void, they will fill yep. any void. Yep. Any they're just, they're like us. They want a good harborage, someplace close to good food. That's nice and sheltered. I mean, you don't want to get rained on. So yeah. they're, they're thinking protection, just like we would. They prefer dark holes. Yep. Yeah. 
The other thing that I do want to mention so people can kind of get an idea, yellow jackets also are cavity nesters. They do not make honey. And they are about the same size as a honeybee, and they're the same color. But they do not have hairs on their body. So honeybees are going to be fuzzy. Yellow jackets are going to be more smooth. But if you're in the thick of something coming out to sting you in large numbers, you're probably not going to be taking a close look to see if they're fuzzy or not. <laughs> I understand. Just run and get into a sheltered location as quickly as you can. It, it, so here's something, because, again, I love my, my, my home life. Um, I had neighbors that had yellow jackets nesting in their soffit. And... It, Thankfully, the son realized when mom was out working, she was out working in the yard. And ironically, I was working in my yard. I heard her scream and the son was so great. He reacted quickly, went out with the water hose so he could keep mom getting wet so that they were distracted so she could get in. I mean, if that's something that's happening in your yard, I mean, some of us are out there working and not thinking, and we stumble across stuff, especially at this time of year, because we're all cleaning up after the winter, maybe redoing stuff. So just be forewarned to look at your upper edges when you're out working in your yard. I mean, every year people die from bees. That they can't, yeah. the human body can only sustain so much venom, whether you have an allergy or not. And if you can't get away fast enough, it's, I mean, it's, they're wild animals. They, they don't care if you live or die. They're trying to protect their home. So you have to be really, really careful. I would never just leave a hive in a tree just because I don't want to hurt the bees because they could definitely hurt you. Right. And that's something that is very important. I mean, it really comes down to do you want to put yourself in that possible danger or do you want to leave the bees because you're concerned about what might happen to them? And, you know, I always want to side on the air or on side with caution because you never know. I mean, you mentioned earlier, anything could set them off and it could happen at any time. So you do need to be very careful about that. I have a story, a funny story about them just being cranky for no reason. Seemingly I have a hive and it was like rainy weather for a few days. And, um, Casey, my husband decided to go mow and, um, it was the worst time to do it because they're locked up in their hive and they're just ticked off. They're just like us. when We have cabin fever for a while. They're, they're irritable. And, uh, I went to go pick the kids up from school and I was driving back and the mower was just sitting there in front of the hive. And I was like, oh my gosh, in my mind, it was like literally two seconds to get in the driveway and out. But in that two second time, I'm like, he's going to be dead. He's in the hallway. I just know it. And I'm telling the girls, whoever can get out of the unbuckle, who can get out of the car fast enough, go check on your father. And the, uh, she was a preteen at the time was like, I have so much to do. She didn't even care. And he was fine, but it, it, he got caught and he couldn't get, it was like a zero turn. So he was freaking out because the bees were, were stinging him. And he thought maybe he'd like gotten into nettle or something. So it took him a while to figure it out. And then he realized what it was, but then he was panicking. So he couldn't figure out how to stop it and jump out. And then he had to run away and um, he survived. Thank goodness. But I was like, what were you thinking? Like you have to, you were right in front of an existing hive that you know, the entrance is to, and you're mowing your mower there. Uh, it's, uh, it's worrisome. 
it's comes down to what I, I tell my kid all the time. Be cognizant of your surroundings. <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. a really hard concept to get across sometimes. And that was a, that was a hive that I requeen. I put a, a queen in that I know the genetics for. I choose gentle queens and purchase them. But even the nicest and the gentlest can be mean on some days. So don't ever trust them. You know, even that really nice person, that nice, sweet person that, you know, they get cranky and angry on occasion. So same thing with bees. You just got to go with the flow with them and be aware. Now we say all this, I wouldn't panic if you find them at your trash can or foraging on your flowers, right? Because they don't have a house to protect. So it's when they're associated with their home that you need to consider them very dangerous, but on your flying around in the landscape, not associated with a home or not associated with their home, then, you know, you can live and let live. Okay. So that leads me to a question that just popped into my brain that I get all the time. What should I do if they are at my hummingbird feeder? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I get that a lot, too. Um, The hummingbirds are smart enough and they're starving. They're going after food. So let them get some food. Once they get enough, it'll be fine. Your hummingbirds will come back and the hummingbirds are smart enough not to go in there. But also they're not aggressive there either. They're looking for food and their mind is on pick up this food and fly back, not sting the hummingbirds or sting you. And if you don't like them there, then dump out the water or the sugar water because the hummingbird's still not going to eat no matter what if the bees are there. So if you don't like the bees, dump out the sugar water, wait till they go find food somewhere else. I think the last question that I'm going to ask is how would someone keep bees from getting into their house? What is the best things that they can do to avoid having bees move into various areas of their home? Seal it up, seal it up seal it up. <laughs> yeah. So essentially we're talking exclusion, right? Exclusion, exclusion. Exclu- I mean, it's the hardest thing for most folks to understand, but it's probably if you take every episode that we talk about, if we're talking about protecting your home, it's the one thing you have control over. If you see your mortar cracking, I mean, yeah, we know it's your foundation, but you can still get a little concrete patch and plug some of that up so that the bees don't find that the greatest place to live. I mean, if your soffits aren't in good condition, fix those. I mean, it's little things, but I'm going to bet that all four of us will tell you we all do it at our houses. It's prevention, right? Because while, while we're all insect lovers, there's a threshold. You know, I see something out in nature, great, but no, I have no desire, not just for the bees, but I was out working this weekend and the Palestes, which are more of the the hornets and the wasps were out foraging. So were the yellow jackets. So again, yeah, I want them on the plants, but I just don't want them in the house or on the back porch. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Unwanted Guests. We hope that you learned a little bit more about honeybees. And while these insects are great as beneficial pollinators for many crops that we grow, they also can become problematic if they're moving into your home or on things that you might not want them into uh, in the backyard even. So you would need to contact a professional to come out and take care of those when it comes into a situation 
where someone could get stung and it can become very dangerous. For more information, you can go to extensionentomology.tamu.edu. We'll catch you next time. Thanks so much for listening.